Leonard Cohen suggested, there is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. This viral crack gives us a chance to create something new and better. So let's talk about back to different and let the light in. I am um, facing my computer and my computer is communicating with Susan Snee's computer and her computer is in Edmonton, Alberta, I believe, where yeah. I have been. Um, on our, our friend of mine and I took a drive all the way across Canada. And uh, I believe in the southwest corner of Alberta is where you get mountains that are just extraordinarily beautiful and, and mind-blowing. Um, so, enough about me. How did you like my movie, right? If you remember that scene from Beaches. So, as, as I am wont to do, Susan, um, tell us your story. You know, how did you get here? Not, not a CV, not a list of accomplishments, but I want in five or 10 minutes or so, I want people to like go, oh, now I know Susan. Mm, beautiful. Okay. Okay. This is why I will play with you. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Mac, mm, I am here courtesy of questions. Mm-hmm. That is how I've lived my life and continue to leave my, live my life. Not the questions that pull things apart, not the questions that second guess, that sort of thing. So mm, I'm going to start this saying the story of my life is I've had the good fortune to be uh, loved into being by leaders uh, by people who were, I was born into a nest of goal setters. And this was in Saskatchewan in the land of flat, where you could sit out on your front porch and watch your dog run away for three days. And we would, because he's going, he's going to Edmonton. I think he's got a lunch on his back. It was a place where if you wanted something to happen, you had to plant the seeds of it. And it was a a place where there was space for ideas and such. And so I grew up listening. I was in a family of six. I grew up listening to the questions. What are you going to make of your life? If you will get university entrance uh, qualifications, we will let you train for whatever you want. And so as a tiny child, I began to see how could I do something that felt meaningful as meaningful as, I was four at the time, as having a family and babies felt to me. Because I thought, I think that's got to be great. However, I also noticed the agency of choice. I thought, what? Even as a tiny child, what if I don't meet the guy? What, if I, what the heck? I'm not going to walk around going, I'm just waiting to what? So I thought, whatever, what else could give me what I think could be the same hit? So even then, I understood transferable skills. Mac, even then I understand that things can change, but I also understood, take it on. You're never too young. Take it on. Do your dream and then see what happens next. For many people, they'll say, I never lived my dream. That's too bad. So you would, you know, I work for an employment search agency now, help people find a dream if they haven't based on their actions. But what if you actually did take action? So one of the questions I like to ask is, what if I 
what if we could? I was surrounded by extraordinary leaders from around the world. My dad brought home the nice ones. And then I got to notice what affects these leaders and how do things change? And so, so I became an actress. And it was highly unusual behavior, <laughs> kind of shocked the pants <laughs> off my family. <laughs> my dad went, what? we thought you'd be a doctor. And I went, yeah, I don't actually uh, want to memorize all that stuff. I, mm, too high risk. However, I would like to go inside of myself and understand what buttons get activated. I watched uh, that wonderful video of yourself that you did on acting. And I'd go, yeah, Mac, we have the definite buttons inside ourselves to be the most extraordinary and the most heinous. However, I wanted to use my gifts to change and make a difference. So when people would watch me, I would do comedies, I would do uh, tragedies, I would say to my little kids, I go out the door at night, I'm going off to make people laugh for money. And or that I would say, I'm going to go make people cry for money. However, what audiences would say to me, because I also was really good at villains. And they said, you made it safe for me to see that part in myself. You made it say because it's a joy. The villain never thinks they're a villain. They just, I just want world domination. The problem, you're in the way, move. Then I moved from there, you know, climb every mountain and such. I began to watch highly successful people, the leaders, and to begin to look at what is leadership. And so I thought, I'm not getting to play hard enough here. So I moved out of the acting field and stuffed my pockets and then later my mind with extraordinary lines where the words brushed against each other and, and could influence me. And then saw, how could this affect change in my everyday life? with myself, with my children, with my community. And so started moving in that area and exploring. So I continue to do that and then make connection with other folks along the way, mm -hmm. kind of ups and downs, lose everything, grab everything back again. I noticed that if you don't have people you love, then you can get to the highest freaking mountain and it's very lonely. Nobody's there to celebrate with you. So you need to gather the folks who celebrate you, who you connect with along the way. And then you also need to consider what do you actually do when you're done the mountain? So I'm a literal person. I don't have much of an imagination. So I took on these things. I actually did climb the highest mountain in Europe, Mont Blanc, and got up to the top of it. Mac, I'm from the prairies. I was expecting to see. My head was in a freaking cloud, Mac. Honestly, seriously, I didn't see that one coming. So then I come down the mountain. There were other leaders, other people much more skillful than me, who had climbed up the hard side of Mont Blanc. They were careless as they climbed down. They tripped, and I watched them tumble by me. 
and then go splat against a, an outcropping that stopped their fall. And I just went, okay. I'm going to take this to the deepest level besides kissing the ground when I got down. I began to think, climb the highest mountain, if you will, but learn how to disengage. Learn how to climb down and begin to notice what are the other actions you can take beyond the, the height. So that's been my devotion, Mac. And then what I have done is I have devoted myself to creating habits in my life, rituals, ceremonies, things that will embed these sorts of things in me so that when different things crop up like today, I can respond based on my body knowledge, based on what's going to burble up. And so I think that's kind of where I am. Oh, and, and a year ago, a colleague said to me, I always want to do a podcast. Do you want to do it? And I said, sure. <laughs> and we went in and we've started an internet TV talk show called The Change Zone because we did notice that people were saying, I will get into changing when things settle down. And you go, oh, my friends, it's that, you know, the cracks are open now for change. Don't, oh, dear. And so we ended up creating that space. And that is, again, we're coming right back to you again with a thank you, Mac, for this, even the name of the podcast, Back to Different. How do we get there? That's how I came to this place, Mac. And I'm glad to be here. Thank you for bringing me. Glad to have you, as you, hopefully, as you well know, um, you know, a lot, a lot there, um, a lot here and now, um, <clears throat> you know, lots of what you said is very resonant and perhaps resident as well, um, having worked as an actor. Um, I loved how you started this. This is why I will play with you. Um <clears throat> One, one, of, one, of the, one of the themes that I've been accused of and that I am happy to be accused of is that I play too much. And I think play is a much better metaphor for my life than work. Not that, I mean, I do things, you know, um, as John Charty said, the pleasure of taking pains. I like doing things well. Mm -hmm. um, I like that. That's fine. But for me, that that's that's still still play and i know too many i guess adults who who like see play as as a sequestered activity that is the antithesis of what they do for most of their life right you know i'm going to go play golf but the rest of my life does not involve play and Part for me, and I, th I suspect for you, part of the um, of the uh, serendipity of acting is that need in order to act. I think well and effectively, we have to be fearless about you know, like open heart surgery on our psyche and on our spirit and on our emotions and on our thoughts. Because it is all in there, I believe, and it's 
we have to be pretty fearless and say, I can be extraordinarily evil because that's my job in this play, right? I want people to walk out of the theater going, wow, that's what evil looks like. <laughs> I get it now. Or, you know, that's what courage looks like, or that's what sadness or grief. And I think we can't give them the gift until we give ourselves a gift of saying, I know it's there and it's okay. So I want to, I want to go back a little bit. <clears throat> when you talked about your girlhood, you know, and thinking about, you know, having being mommy, having kids, et cetera. Um, and you also talked about the agency of choice. And I sort of intuitively suspect, I guess, that what causes a lot of people a lot of, if not pain, at least um, anti-joy is not accepting the um, the risk and the beauty of that agency of choice. And and you would you had also mentioned during this time of the pandemic <clears throat> is a time, you know, this kind of back to different thing. It is a time to, to, to be more courageous about exercising that agency of choice. So this is totally unfair, but it doesn't mean it's not useful. Um, how would you, how would you open up that box for people so that they were more willing to, to, to see themselves as having that a greater agency of choice than, than they may suspect. Beautiful, beautiful. Okay. Um, well, one of the things I also love, mm, Mac, are stories. And I, and I often work when the people come to me, they are held down. They're like, I don't know, this is where I've been. I don't see a way forward. I go, okay, fair, okay, mm -hmm. fair enough, etc. And I'd say, now I want you to tell me a story. Mm. I want me, you to tell me a, a time, a situation, a task you had to accomplish. Ideally, a challenge. Ideally, you were working with a group. I don't care if it was mm, volunteer, if it was at work. And then I want you to tell me mm, the result. Okay? And, and we're going to start with, for starters, it has to be a happy ending. You know, you're not going to tell me a story. Once had this one fellow say, okay, I'm going to tell you a story. Okay. So there's one time I was working in this factory. I got really mad. And I, <clears throat> I left the factory and I went outside and I kicked a tree. I said, oh, great. Okay, fair enough. And then, and then I came back in. Yeah. And then, and then I got fired. And I went, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Perfect. So don't tell that story anymore, okay? <laughs> oh, yes. That one, yes. Kind of, the story's not over till there's a happy ending. So I said, I want a result. And but most people go and they say, so the result was we got it on time. We did the thing. We blah, blah, blah. And I go, okay. Now I'm going to ask you another question. And the best thing was, and I'm digging for joy, Mac. I'm helping them understand, as, as Dr. Chilton Pierce, neuropsychologist, said, play is how we increase our intelligence. And our intelligence is our ability to survive and thrive. 
So, and I, when I said I was born into a nest of leaders, uh, goals that are people famous around the world, they all had playfulness and joy and got the job done. And some of them were kind of, meh, sometimes you tend to go, Ooh. <laughs> I don't have to do everything they say. They're pretty playful and they're just jumped off a cliff. I'm not following them. I'm not that kind of lemming. So, however, what I do is I dig with them. And I have a gift of being able to see the patterns they hold. And so I would say, what was the best part? Did someone have your back while you were doing that? Did you take a risk while you were in there and you just had this idea and, and somebody said, yeah, go for it? Did someone suddenly give you power? Like someone didn't turn up one day and you took it on and did that? Whew. And was it, it could be huge, like save people from a forest fire, yeah. or it could be very simple, a young mom taking her kids to school in the height of COVID and stuffing her pockets with extra masks. So the little children as she was walking who were standing outside a dollar store and couldn't go in, they didn't have a mask. I'm a mom, I have masks, put them on your freaking face, you go in there. And so how did that make you feel? Did you help someone? Did you feel appreciated? And so the joy springs up. And then we go to uh, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, who, who is, you know, the author of Flow and that sort of thing. And he says, and then you understand the difference between enjoyment and pleasure. Pleasure is ice cream cone. Enjoyment could be like you and me. We're in there. We've lost track of time. We might come out with our elbows a bit scraped. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we were playing hard, right? So I dig with them in there and they'll say, you're so amazingly positive. You have a gift. You're so positive. I don't say anything to them at that time, Mac, but I don't, I want people to begin to understand that being positive, I'm not just shining the sun on them. I'm not lying to them. I'm just helping them see what it is so they can recognize what joy feels like. They can understand that could be fun. Right? Then they could start their exploration. It makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. And they start to recognize it. So that's the first thing I do. And I, then I do it with myself as well. And I do it even with my young grandkids. Well, that's what grandkids are for, among everything else that they're for, of course. Um, you know, what you said about in, in your work, um, that, that you want them to know that you're not lying to them. <laughs> and I'm a big fan of skepticism. In, in, in my book about education, it's one of the uh, four main threads of the book is, is the power of skepticism, which is very different for, in my lexicon from cynicism. And skepticism is simply to go hmm, I wonder, what if, what if there's another way to see this? What if, what if, what if, what I'm assuming about what's, what's on my radar right now, what if I don't have all the information, which I probably don't write, which I probably, why am I writing this story about this person right now? And most of it's made up, you know, for me, that's skepticism. And a couple of things which I which I which I want to kind of dig out of what you said. There's a lot there. Um, 
One is that there seems to be a current in our country right now, and maybe in the world, that people assume that other people are lying to them. Especially if the message that the other people bring them is not confluent with their expectation. Therefore, you must be lying to me. And I think that's something we need to figure out how to get rid of, or at least inch by inch start to get rid of. And the other thing is, where does this insane idea of growing up come from? I mean, we're just tall children. Why is this like, well, you've reached... 11 years, four months, three days, two hours, 16 minutes, and 32 seconds. It's time to leave all that behind and act like an ass starting right now. <laughs> it's like, what is where, what is that about? Yeah, I love that. Uh, that is something, again, part of where I come from, a, a little bit conservative in the background, and yet my dad would come home full three-piece suit from dealing with powerful people and get down on his hands and knees and play with the dog and the children and the thing. His attitude uh, didn't shift that way. He had his own little hard times. He, he, he couldn't, he, he was dyslexic. And so he pounded out. So he didn't have a real, a real trust in his ability to, to argue and maybe had been pounded a bit. And so as all of us became teenagers, he wasn't able to, he said, no, I can't handle it. If you're teenagers, you're done. And he said, oh, that's fascinating. That's too bad. And, and um, so you have this healthy skepticism. I'm going to just start for a second. I have only heard skepticism as saying, I don't think that holds water. I love the positive spin you gave on it. I wonder if it could be different than what I thought. Okay, so have we kind of checked that box off? Box off. But I've always been annoyed <laughs> by that idea of grow up. Like, what the frack is that? Meh. I don't find it useful. I don't find it helpful. The people who I admire, who got to their later years, had a sense of sparkle in their eye, twinkle. Uh, they they could. It it's. It's embodying the childlike and leaving aside the childish. Spot on. I say that to myself all Has the time. Has to be. Has to be. And this is what we take in as a proper playmate with the young teeny weeny ones. When they are pitching a fit and you go, yeah, that doesn't exactly work. This is blah, 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 <laughs> blah, blah, blah. So we're we're encouraging them to move aside from the childish, but we're not saying that's what you, I don't use the word, but I, I know what it is. And I go, no, no, no. But childlike is bringing in the sacred child the same way as the sacred clown, mm -hmm. the fool who will show. However, if you're going to truly be and work in that area, you must be very skilled so to me, Mac, our job is to bring forward 
what is it to grow aware? Up, down. Like I said, I got to the top of a mountain and my head was in a cloud. I think of that when I sit and meditate in the morning. Right. And I kind of have cloudy thinking. And I welcome it in. So now I've learned to welcome the 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 childish the distracted the catastrophizing as i think it was mark twain said there i've experienced many terrible things in my life most of which didn't happen and i've you know i thought i'm doing pretty good until there was a possibility of my grandkids having covid and i i catastrophized got on my horse and ran off in all directions so I always look, Mac, and this is partly I'm a cancer survivor. So I had to figure out what could I do with my life in five minutes or 50 years, whichever come first. And so I'm very discretionary with my time. And I go, I don't have a lot of time to be, a, to be dopey, like to be kind of like unproductive. And I'm not going to take on any kind of persona that limits me. I will experiment with filling the shoes of something bigger than me. That's pretty neat. But any hero I can imagine would have a twinkle in their eyes. I love that. Right? Yeah. Must. And usually it's because we have seen the unthinkable and our hearts tore open and and we cried maybe till we got tired and then eventually something flipped inside of us and then we laughed till we cried some more and because that's one of the other areas that i have 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 gotten quite a lot of skill at is is the healing power of humor what is the wit that would would heal us so I'm thinking when you're saying not accepting the risk. <clears throat> if we are going to dare to dream, we must dare to lose. Yeah, and 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 that um, that dichotomy is not a a, a bad thing. It, it's like it's like it's like grief. You know, I, I know myself at certain times in my life, but I know of people who do not want to let other people get too close to them because there's risk. When um, I may have told you when uh, years ago, because I, I grew up in a family that did not talk about feelings. No. Did not. I didn't hear either of my parents use that word until I was in my 40s. I, I mean, honestly, anyhow, um, I called my mom years ago and i had i had let go of a dog it was a wonderful dog named robespierre who was just he was the quintessential dog he was just something else and i called my mom and i said i had to let robespierre go and i'm going to miss him but it was the time and everything and my mom bless her heart she said you're not going to get another dog are you i said yeah not right away but i suspect so and she said why it's just going to die Oof! it's like, what a horrible way to, to be for me, you know, and, and this, this, um, 
this willingness and this embrace and this um, keeping our shields around if we need them, but not holding them in front of us all the time. Um, there's a fellow named Ben, Ben Zander, who used to be the uh, conductor of the um, Boston Philharmonic Orchestra. And he's, and he says for me, what, from a leadership perspective, which is an amazing thing, he said, the conductor of the orchestra doesn't make a sound. He's the only musician in the orchestra who doesn't make a sound. And he depends for his power, and his power is very great, on his ability to make other people powerful. And he says, when I look at the eyes of my orchestra and I don't see shining eyes, I ask myself, who am I being at this moment that the eyes of my orchestra aren't, aren't shining? And you want to see shining eyes. That's a beauty. You want to see shining eyes. Watch little kids. Little kids know everything we need to know. And I'm not, you know, I don't hate being an adult. I don't hate having body hair or, you know, any of the things that, that come with growing up. But that's where, for me, that, um, that um, <clears throat> connection, that um, learning to integrate, right? Learning that watching ants and doing calculus don't have to be oppositional, right? That having a job and getting on your hands and knees and playing with a kid on the street, right? Doesn't have to be, there's a, a what am I, I loved W.C. Fields. All of his movies are about the human condition. And he did a short once that he didn't know it was gonna be a short. But he found a hoop and a stick and he picked it up. And the next thing you know, he's, I mean, he's like 50. He's running down the street with his hoop and the stick, just having the time of his life. And how many adults would say, oh, I, that's silly. That's, oh, doesn't he have any dignity? Uh, you know, like they, they would like bark at him because he was doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The word silly comes from the word selig, mm. which is wise. Absolutely. Respect. I would rather have respect than dignity. And yet respect, because I looked into this deeply, comes from respectare, which simply means willingness to look again. <clears throat> if I have that and it appears to be important for the people I'm going to be with that I bring on my grace. I'll do that. I will, I will bring it on. And yet, if it's important that I suddenly shed it like a cloak and do the other things that are important, I will do that. Because I realize, Mac, that's what I look for in all ages are the eyes shining. And that brings compassion into play. We're talking about leadership in every way you can imagine. But that brings compassion. And compassion is empathy where you feel. K 
attempt to feel what the other person's feeling, recognizing you can't actually. But if you've lived your life heartily, you will have enough shared experiences that you have drunk from the same cup. However, compassion is empathy plus practical action. Okay. It's, that makes it actionable. So therefore that conductor is saying, looking at the eyes, ah, oh, they're not, ooh, what can I do about this? What can I do? How can I be that the eyes will sparkle? And then to me, we light that fire yeah. because that's not done yet. This is just the beginning of this dream we're talking about back to different. Because when I work with the people, some of the people at this employment search agency that I work with, I will often thank them at the end of the day. And, and they'll have done a day with me that they never thought they'd have a good time doing like resume building. It's like, right. hey, why'd you come here? Is it your birthday? That must be fun. And they'll have finished. They go, whew, that was really fun. And I'll say, thank you. I'm going to thank you for, for being here today. Why am I thanking you? And they say, well, because if we didn't come, you wouldn't be paid any money. And I said, well, actually, I, <laughs> I always do stuff. Um, nah. Thank you for us paying. You're thanking us for paying attention to you. And now, actually, I'm pretty good at getting people to pay attention to me. <laughs> not really that hard. You're an actor, for God's sake, right? <laughs> you know, I can, I can, I listen to them. I champion their cause. They're going to pay attention. I said, I'm thanking you because you're my community. The world is too big for me. Just as a concept, I need to see the faces in my community. By you coming today, by you sharing by you letting yourself shine. I can see the faces in my community starting to build. And that, for that, I thank you. And I'm not BSing them. No, I've got a, I, I think I have a pretty good BS alarm. Um, and it's not, it's not sounding. And I know that you have worked as an actor and I see your skills, but those skills do not necessarily mean duplicity. There you go. Now they talk about that a little bit there. Well, um, I, I, you people used to say a, to me, you're, you're an actress. Are you lying now? Yeah, you're lying. Well, I mean, I've worked as a carpenter and I've worked as a musician, et cetera. Et cetera. So let's use the carpentry one. Cause that's pretty, that's pretty neutral. Right. Well, I had to learn how to do stuff. I remember a older carpenter when I first started this, because I was playing music for a living, but all the bars closed because of disco. So I had to do something. And I had a, a friend who was going into treatment at that time. And she asked me if I could work on her apartment to rent it. So I said, whatever. And I had wood shop when I was 15, for God's sake. I know what I'm doing. Well, I teamed up with this older carpenter who taught me stuff. You know, he taught me one of my favorite things, measure twice and cut once. Okay. And he showed me how to do stuff. So I learned how to do those things. I learned from acting how to do some really useful things. I have a stutter and I'm shy and I'm an introvert. And I learned from acting training how tools so that those things didn't stand in my way. Right. So then we get to the ethical side 
if I have a strong sense of ethics, whatever that may be, then those tools become good tools. But, you know, every, every, every con man or con woman is a, is a good, is a, is a, a very adept actor. I mean, Bernie Madoff was a very adept actor. So being an actor doesn't mean that you're smarmy or that you're unethical. It just means you've learned a certain skill set, right? So then if, if I'm going to communicate, all that I look at it is, Mac, is that my instrument is in shape. Mm -hmm. It's obedient to me. The whole path I've taken aside from acting is I've said, what would happen if we put this into play in, the, in this world that we're in? What if we used our tools, as I will say to them, dare to memorize some things about yourself, yeah. dare to memorize something. I said, you didn't, the words you memorize get to know you. They will come up for you. What are the other pieces? How do you take the next step forward? Because what you and I understand is the devotion and work part. Yeah. And to me, what I love to do is say, do certain things regularly so that you push the buttons you want to push and let the other ones be what I call shadow buttons. They're still there. So that you never, like I often, when I'm thinking in my time in the morning, I put folks, people who I consider, I'm just going to use a strong word now, back, uh, evil. I put them in front of me and I bless them. And I have all the other people beside me on my left and my right, but I put the ones and I put it, the faces, I put them in my mind. So I look at them. Some of them I know, per, you know, some of them I know personally and some of them I don't. They may be people in the world that I've decided, no, that is evil. However, I always note that I have done and have the capacity to have certain pieces of myself in there. And I also say to myself, this is back to that tiny child who said, one of my dreams is to have babies. I said, you all had a mother. And if need be, you have a grandma who, with any luck, will give you a grandma blessing, which is a, a hug and a kick in the bum to say unacceptable behavior, my love, or I will have to love you through this or, you know, whatever. Uh, but I do not dehumanize them. It's not acceptable behavior. When I look at you saying people are cynical when they first, etc., I think it's because they don't understand what faith is and trust. They don't understand faith trust and hope I'm going to bring in the three so uh, I have spent some time getting my mind around that so it could have a, a sense of like there would be people because I did not have a child particularly have faith trust or hope I don't know I don't know Hope, I always felt, was I hope it'll turn out. And to me, that's like, oh, I don't know. My mom taught me how to ride a horse, which was terrifying for me, but she was an athlete. And 
And that was not exactly fun. I was kind of hoping I didn't die, particularly the day that she said, you know, it's winter time. I'm taking you outside. I'm going to let go of the reins and your horse is going to run away with you. And I thought to myself, what, you have too many children? This is, this is the way that goes. And she said, what are you going to do? I said, freak right out. And she said, no, you're going to say easy now, easy now. And I said, well, I do not feel like that. The horse is going to know I'm scared. And she said, it will not. Because you will forget your fear and calm the horse down. You will bring that energy in and you will, in a very strong voice, calm that horse as while you're doing it, you will aim them to the snowbank. And they will run in. And I will be there for you. Go. So I went, okay, that's interesting. Later on, I looked at Hope when I was being asked to present a, a humor presentation for an Alzheimer's wellness day. And I knew the woman at the head of the society. And she said, could you come and give a talk? Humor. And I went, yeah, I can. And she said, and could you talk about Hope? And she hung up. And I went, oh, for goodness. So I thought, hmm. It's not going to get better. I can't say to these people in all good conscience, these were people who were in early enough stages, Mac, they knew where they were. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say, I hope. So I, I thought about that for about a week or so. And then I came across a, a show on TV by chance. I had, as a cancer survivor, done cancer humor cart. And one of my colleagues, we walk around with a pig t-shirt on and have this this cart full of music or interesting books or juggling balls or stuff for people who were waiting for their loved ones to come out of whatever treatment to play with and there was this bright woman who I knew her as just kind of fun and she said no I've been deeply depressed in my life and so I've had to look at hope a different way and hope is simply saying yes to life I've used it ever since Mac I used it for those Alzheimer's. I've used it ever since. I've used it 22 years now. Like you just go, it, it just holds so I can rock solid on hope. Okay. Faith. Uh, there are people, ah, it's tough faith that's going to work out. Well, you obviously don't come from the prairies. Because if I just thought the, the you know, peach tree is just going to spring from the ground, I have faith it's coming. Oh. I'm not in Regina, it's not going to come. We have apples. My mom said, we have an apple tree in the back. There it is. And I went over and pulled one of these things out and popped it in my mouth. I went, poo. Yeah. It was crab apple. It was nasty. And so I went, okay, faith. What is that? Faith is when you go to someone you admire. They have the qualities both inside and outside that you admire. Take your time. Look them up. They have something you want to learn. You know who they be, you know who they are. And you ask them, could you teach me about this and that? And they go, yeah, I can. Okay, this is what you're going to do. Three things, you're going to do it for a month. No more questions. Okay. I go off. I do it because I've done my research. I do it for 28 days. Now, who do I have faith in when I'm done, Mac? I don't know that I attach faith the same way you do. Um, so for me, faith would be that, uh, that <clears throat> over time, if I change my focus, then, then I will change. There you go. That's, that's faith. You can say, I have faith. 
that if I will do certain things consistently, first of all, I have to find, I have to do my research, not just any right. thing, right. not just because society says better, better grow up. Well, you can certainly have faith that if you do that, what they say, you will have a lot of freaking dignity and a really crappy life. I'm just saying. <laughs> and your bum will be maybe clenched a little bit more than you need to have it. Yeah. However, I don't have to give my faith to someone. So if someone, we don't understand that in our society, if there's an idea you, you see and you go, I don't know about that, don't have to blind face it. Go and investigate it. Then check it out. Try it out. However, give it the time to grow. And then if you wish, figure out some way to seed pieces of it in your daily life. Yeah. Trust is knowing for, they say the difference between faith and trust is faith is knowing that a chair is built to support your weight. Okay. Trust is sitting in it. So then you can, so to me, I love ideals, but I love, the pragmatism of saying you can be wobbly when you start. You don't have to be phenomenally gifted in lots of areas, but if you will do, and yet I don't care for the word, but I prefer to exchange and yet, and yet if you will put in the effort, a word that came to mind this morning was if you will make space for it. Mm-hmm. Like we're making space now. We're making space in a whole bunch of ways. And two things, and then I have a kind of final question. One is that my wife's name is Hope. Um, and I have more than one friend who really don't know her because we haven't been together for, for years and years. But time and again, I'll say, hey, and they'll say, oh, how's faith? And, and I'll say, it, it's fine. But if you mean my wife, her name is Hope. <laughs> so um, what you said about trust, I saw a wonderful video by a very wonderful, strange woman who's actually a member of parliament named Honora O'Neill. And she says, we need not to focus on trust. We need to focus on trustworthiness. It's a really interesting video. I love that. So I, final Jeopardy here. <laughs> so <laughs> your grandchildren, okay, <clears throat> whether they are yet or have already been or will be or are around five or six, that 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 those wonderful years when like kids are still little kids, but you're starting to be able to comprehend that spiders and ants are different. And that they, they're starting to be able to comprehend complexity and and things that they can't touch and see and feel, right? That just the world of ideas. So they come back to their parents who are your kids, of course. Mm -hmm. And they said, we had a unit on school. I don't like that word for what they do in school. But anyhow, we had this thing in school, a project about uh, 2020. And 
our teacher said it was really a pretty tough time for the world and for people. And then the question they asked their parents or your children is, how did grandma handle herself? That's you. What would you like your kids to tell them? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh. Mm. That, we, um, that we moved into the time of COVID and sometimes they thought we were crazy. <laughs> that that and we were okay with that. I know my daughter and I, because my my grandkids go from fourteen to one, and so the older ones. I remember them. My daughter saying they think we're crazy, absolutely nuts, lost our brains, as we said, wash your hands and put the mask on on the thing. So they noticed that we greeted that, and we mm-hmm. said to them, we need to enforce these things for safety, for love. And then we all walked through together and we accepted the distances that seemed to be important. And we go, okay, fair enough. And yet, what could we do anyway? So I remember one of my grandchildren was going through a real shift in the way they were seeing themselves as a person. And I thought, I want to be with them, but I can't. So I, I said to them, I had two rings. And they, they both had diamonds and sapphires in them. And so I made an arrangement to meet with this one grandchild. And I said, how about we exchange rings? I'll give you this one. You wear it and I'll wear it. And then a month or two will go by and we'll exchange them. And you can note, I also gave them a couple of happy and sad faces from the Greek tragedy mm-hmm. in a little box. I had them left over from cufflinks and I just made them into medallions. And I said, and then if you wish, you could look at each day and you could notice, hmm, today I was happier, today I wasn't. I said, and then you'll charge them up with whatever you went through and we'll exchange them. And I said, what do you think about that? And my grandchild really liked it. I said, yeah, and felt supported because they were going through quite a shift. And, and I thought, good. And so I said, so what will you tell them when they say, what's the deal? What's, what are the rings? Well, diamonds and sapphires. Woo. So why, why'd your grandma do that? And uh, my grandchild, go, I don't know, what can I say? And I said, hmm. how about we say grandma thought she would give me this ring uh, because it's, it's like being closer than Zoom and yet sparklier. <laughs> and they liked it. So again, they would probably have said, we have some of the fears we had to walk through together. Mm-hmm. We found rituals to bind us together. It was an ongoing acceptance and support of what they found. I think they would have said that's how grandma dealt with it. And then she started an internet TV talk show while she was at it. Interesting. (laughs) 
closer than Zoom and sparklier. I want a bumper sticker. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. You know, one of the things I, I, I was just talking to Colin Smith, who's a, who's a bench bench warmer and a very good friend. And we had these amazing conversations um, as we were talking from a listening perspective is that we don't listen closely enough to what we say, much less to what other people say. So, um, Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's been such a pleasure. It's been an adventure and, and a wonderfully bumpy ride. I mean, if if I'm not having enough bumps in my life, I'm not paying enough attention, right? <laughs> and if you ever have outsiders come in and stir things up on the change zone, change zone, I would love to come in and stir <gasps> things up. That was my next question. It would be a. a I would absolutely a adore <laughs> having you come in and uh, and uh, rock things up in the change zone and so I'll follow that up all right I'm gonna go have my lunch take a break and then we are in the process of moving so we're going to be doing moving things which is such a great I mean we are always moving in our lives from one place to another but yeah. this, this is a really good time to let go of some things okay. in order to be able to pick up the new things and Someone said to me the other day, everything we've ever let go of in our lives is covered with claw marks. Oh, I love you. Thanks for giving us a listen. As we move forward with this situation, with this thing that's us, let's never forget that we are all in this together. No matter what else happens, we're all in this together. Thank you.